Well, Nance, thank you for joining me today. I know it's it's taken a while to schedule this. <laughs> so I appreciate you taking the time to come in and joining me today. Um, my supervisor, Jenny, tells me that you've had a long history with campus recreation and wellness and with East Carolina University in general. So I would love to learn more about that and help our listeners understand the significance of the renaming of the Student Recreation Center to the Aiken Student Recreation Center. And I know you were very involved in trying to make that happen in the past and how he's really affect students here at ECU in a very positive way. So if you could please introduce yourself and let our listeners know who they are getting to know today and a little more about CRW and ECU and Dr. Aiken. I'll be happy to do that. It, it really is an honor for me to have the opportunity to share this information because I feel so strongly about Dr. Aiken, not only as a chancellor, but just he's a phenomenal individual. And I think there's no more appropriate name to be on the Student Recreation Center after 25 years wow. than wow. Richard Aiken and his wife, Joe, because they were so much a part of making this vision become a reality. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, I, I had 37, 38 years at East wow. Carolina University. I actually came to the campus in 1978. Wow. And during that <laughs> period of time, all we had was Christenberry Memorial Gymnasium, yes. which was constructed in 1951, mm-hmm. had about 51,000 square feet. The only recreation we had in that facility was a couple of hours in the evening because of academics and everything else that was going on. So we really didn't have a recreation facility. Mm -hmm. So the director at the time was Wayne Edwards. I was the associate director. And he and I had been trying to get some information together, getting our statistics together so that we had numbers, you know, Mm -hmm. to show to work toward building a new student recreation center. When Dr. Aiken came in 1987, I became the director of, it was then called Intramural Sports, which is now Campus Recreation and Wellness. Yes. Dr. Aiken became the chancellor, and he came here from Bowling Green State University. Where is that? Located? In Kentucky. Okay. <laughs> and they were one of the first, I think they were only, there were three universities in the United States that had a student recreation center. Only three. Of this, nat- of this nature that was not shared with athletics. In 1987. In 1987. Wow. So that was a tremendous plus for us because Absolutely. he had done that on the campus of Bowling Green. He, came he was from also vice chancellor of student affairs, which is highly unusual for chancellors. They almost always come from the academic side of the house. They've been a vice chancellor of academic affairs. They've been in the academic world. Mm-hmm. He came from the student affairs side. So that was already in our favor because he was a student affairs professional. Yeah. And he had seen what this facility did on that campus, what it how it transformed, students. right, Mm-hmm. Not only student recruitment, the campus, the concept of wellness, but how it transformed that university, students, faculty, staff, alumni, recruitment, retention, which were all the cases we were trying to make here. Oh, yes. But my challenge here was when we started talking about 14 million, 15 million you know, money, <laughs> money. Yes. And the board of trustees members, many of whom are around from Eastern North Carolina, their concept of a gymnasium was Farmville Central or Rose High. 
And they would say, you know, Nancy, how could we spend $14 million on a gym? Mm -hmm. And I'd say, well, it's more than a gym. Mm -hmm. So then I realized I really had to create a vision of some sort. And fortunately, NURSA, our National Intramural Recreational Sports Association, had put together outstanding facility slides. Now, those of you in this room don't know what a slide is, but it was a visual, and you put them in a little carousel, and it comes through on the projector. I've seen the movies, yes. Okay. (laughs) So I was able to order those. I came in two different uh, sections, one one year and one another. And I selected out those slides that had the vision of what I thought we could put on this campus. And then I interspersed it with visions of East Carolina University. So it was sure. like, this really could be on our campus. Yeah. So that was kind of our dog and pony show that we took around everywhere. Okay. Also in 1987, a student by the name of Scott Thomas was the SGA president, mm-hmm. outstanding young man. Mm-hmm. He currently, he was pursuing a degree in political science. He is currently serving as district attorney. He, he got his law degree in Carteret County here awesome. in Eastern North Carolina. Mm-hmm. But he he was really interested in our cause, so to speak. Yeah. And um, so he, you know, I talked to Scott and we had talked to a number of organizations and he said Nance well I I'll go talk to the chancellor okay on behalf of the students and I said awesome thank go. you go yeah you know <laughs> so he did and okay. Dr. Aiken who this is what I loved about this man I mean he believed in student leadership he believed yeah. in shared governance of students faculty and staff he listened He listened to what the students had to say and yeah. because he had seen this on the campus of Bowling Green He told Scott, he said, because we had already determined it was going to have to be student fee funded. There was no state money for this facility, which meant the students were going to have to tax themselves for the And I'll agree that this is a good idea. That's right. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So he said, Scott, if you draft a resolution Mm -hmm. and you go out on campus and you get all the major student organizations to endorse that resolution, I'll approve it and send it forward to the Board of Trustees. Okay. So Scott went about doing just that. He got signatures from Student Government Association, from IFC, fraternities, sororities, black sororities, black student union, Baptist student, all the major student organizations. A lot of footwork. On this, a lot of footwork, Mm -hmm. a lot of selling the project for us. Wow. Went back to Dr. Aiken with his resolution, signed by all the major student organizations, and Dr. Aiken, a man of his word, said, great. I'll take it forward to the Board of Trustees. Mm -hmm. So that was the first, that was in 1987. Now, still, as you know, we didn't open until the spring of 97. So we're talking about... Ten years. A ten-year project. Wow. And he hung with us the entire ten years. Dr. Aiken. Dr. Aiken did. And it was not an easy process doesn't and, sound like it. No. And I sincerely feel like, you know, if we had not had Dr. Aiken at that time with his vision. It wouldn't have happened. It would not have happened. I think by now we would have had one, oh, but sure. I think it would have been five or ten years After. later before mm-hmm. we were able to sell that vision. Because any time we'd hit a roadblock, you know, I'd say, Dr. Aiken, can you talk to so-and-so or yeah. a prominent trustee member who maybe was not sold yet saying, mm-hmm. We've got things we have to do for athletics. We've got, they were, they were uh, 
expanding Joiner Library at the, t at the same time. So yes. they had some other major projects going on that financially were priority. Uh, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. I mean, student rec was never going to be a priority, you know, but Dr. Aiken was always there saying, we need to do this. The students are in favor of it. They've signed a resolution saying they're willing to pay for it. Mm -hmm. Let's move this project forward. Yes. And the kind of the way the process goes is once we get past that, then it goes to the Finance and Facility Committee of the Board of Trustees. Mm -hmm. If they approve it, then it goes to the full board for yes. approval. And then it goes to the North Carolina General Assembly to get on the list of facilities that are going to be built. And they meet mm -hmm. like every two years. You can start to see why this was a 10-year project. Yes. But I'll never forget the day when we went to the... Finance and Facility Committee of the Board of Trustees. And, of course, Dr. Aiken got me in to do a presentation. Yes. So I had my little dog and pony show, my slide Your presentation, slide. <laughs> to, to give it my best shot of, you know, sure. this is the way the campus looked in 1951 because of Chris and Barry was built in 51. Yes. This was 1991 now when I'm doing this presentation. I said, this is 1991. It's 40 years later. And the only difference, you know, all the new facilities, Mendenhall had been built, Fickland Stadium had been built, Mendenhall all the new, new things. <laughs> yeah, everything. And then here was the recreation facility. So I was back to Chris and Barry Memorial Gym. And yes. the only difference between 51 and 91 was there were air conditioning units sticking out of the windows. Thank God. You know? So I said, this is the <laughs> only improvement. And, of course, we had statistics, you know, it was 3,000 students in the university then, 17,000 or whatever it was, Big you know, difference. when we were doing it in 91. So I think it made a, a statement to them Absolutely. of we've come a long way. We've got thousands of participants in our mm -hmm. program with the facilities that we had. So they got ready to take the vote. The vote was a tie. Okay. <laughs> and it was one of the little rooms over in Mendenhall. Dr. Aiken was on one side of the table. I was sitting on the other. And my heart just, because if we didn't get past finance and facility committee, it would have been dead in the water. Yeah. I looked at Dr. Aiken and I just was like, oh, I almost wanted to cry. And he was going, you know, like, it's going to be all right. We're fine. Mm -hmm. So then the only way the chair, the chair votes, if there's a tie on the committee, he has to relinquish his position as chair to vote. So somebody else on the committee has to accept his position as chair to momentarily. Chair. Mm -hmm. So we ask a member on the committee if they would accept his position of chair. The first person said no. Okay. I looked at Dr. Aiken. It was like this. You could have heard a pin drop. And so then so. he asked, and by the way, it was only the only female on the committee, if she would accept his position as mm -hmm. chair. And she said yes. Okay. And uh, the chair's name was Riley Robertson, and he voted in favor of the resolution Thank you, Riley. and the project. That's awesome. So I looked at Dr. Aiken, and we were just... This was in 91. This was in 91. Mm -hmm. So we went out and hugged, and it was like, <laughs> oh, my God, you know, we're through the first part. Yes. Well, it was a long, a long uh, challenge yes. from there to then the Board of Trustees and making that presentation, and site selection was an issue. As mm -hmm. you know, this campus is pretty much landlocked. You know, yeah. <laughs> so There's we had uh, three sites that had been selected. This was one. Yes. Uh, one was over by Menji's 
okay. on the hill, like a three-tiered facility, and I really liked the look of that. The that other was on cool. College Hill because Todd Dining Hall was not there, but the vice chancellor at the time was really interested in building the dining facility over there on College Hill. So that didn't... Probably a good idea now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Considering. Um, so the board of trustees did not want it over there by Menjis, it appeared. So it ended up here with the rationale that at that time, nobody came to Mendenhall as a student center. It just wasn't really used. That makes and sense. And they felt like, you know, people would come to the student rec center. They have to walk by Mendenhall to get here. Mm -hmm. So it would increase utilization of the student center. Yeah. Which was uh, somewhat... A rationale. Sure. Yeah. So, but the problem was, and you've probably seen in some of the pictures, this was a parking lot. Yes. Of about 250 parking spaces. Uh -huh. So, you know, and they said, well, Nancy, you're going to have to pay $1,000 per parking space for this land. What? So $250,000 to buy the, the property. Land. I mean, it was like every way we looked was another challenge. I said, okay, you uh -huh. know, so... We had to take $250,000 out of our budget to buy the property. And, of course, students, you know how parking is. We never have enough. We still don't. So that was another <laughs> realm of, I can't believe we're going to spend $16, $18 million on a student center, and now we're going to lose 250 parking spaces. So it was one other hurdle. And Dr. Aiken would speak to the value of having this on campus. And, you know, we would make it up with a parking deck, or we and we said that we would replace that's why they had to have the $250,000. We would place, replace all the parking spaces someplace around. else around campus, which we did. So we got beyond that hurdle, you know, so then we started working on uh, getting ready for the groundbreaking. And I don't, I don't think you've seen Dr. Aiken. He's a tall gentleman, mm -hmm. and he used to play basketball. Um, and so we said, hey, when we do the groundbreaking, you know, because it was just a big open piece of land, parking lot right out here. We said, we'll put up a portable goal, and we think you ought to do a layup for us since basketball is your thing. And he had had a basketball goal put up at the house at the chancellor's <laughs> residence. I think it's still there. And uh, he said, oh, you know, Nance, I don't know. I said, you can do it. You can do it. Well, the rumor has it, you know, how the frat houses are all around the chancellor's residence. They'd heard him out there practicing for a week or two before we That's had hilarious. the groundbreaking. Yeah. So we put the little, you know, the, the pictures are, you know, we're all over here and the goal is out there in the middle of this parking lot. <laughs> Dr. Aiken gave me his jacket. He said, well, you hold my jacket? And I said, oh, yeah. And, you know, and he nailed it, you know. So we were all, yeah. So he was so excited. Yeah. But that's the kind of person that he, he was. He yeah. was. You know, he was like, is. <laughs> he said that was the thing I was most worried about. You know, he had a lot of other things going on, but he wanted to make sure he nailed that layout for, yeah. the, for the groundbreaking. And uh, so then at least we were off and running, you know, mm -hmm. but then, um, so it was supposed to be an 18-month project. And this was in 94 when we did the groundbreak. Mm -hmm. We opened in 97. Mm -hmm. um, our general contractor went bankrupt. We had issues with the concrete pours in the rec center. They had to jackhammer out the entire bridge across here because it was, quote, just a little off. We were like... What? Yeah, that doesn't work for this. Yeah, no. Yeah. Uh-huh. Structural steel in the pool had to be replaced because it was not uh, erected correctly. Okay. So they had to get a whole new general contractor. So it was one delay after another. 
-hmm. We started student fee collection in 94 because that's when we were supposed to open. So now we're taking student fee money, and I think it started out about $20 a semester or $36 for the year, and they had no facility. Because they, could, they couldn't use it. Because it wasn't open. It wasn't completed. Right. So then we had all, well, now we're paying all this money. We're not getting to use a facility. And again, Dr. Aiken would, you know, he would speak to that. Well, when it, when it comes, you know, these were unforeseen circumstances, um, you know, but now we've got a new general contractor. We've done this. And I mean, he was just with us instead of saying, well, we're not going to collect fees anymore because we really needed the money at that yeah. point in time. For to all the delays. That, off, that's right, uh -huh. the debt of the student center. So I mean, it was a real challenge. And then obviously we did not open until January of 97. Yes. So um, it, was, it was a long 10-year process. And I really think, um, I was saying to you earlier, I obviously got to know Dr. Aiken and, and his wife, Joanne, quite well. They used to walk the campus every night. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they knew everybody. They said, hey, Ann, how are you doing? Hey, Nance, how are you doing? And after we opened the rec center, they'd come and they'd stick their head in, you know, Just and they'd say, see. how are things going? And I'd say, oh, it's going great. I mean, they really cared about the students. Mm -hmm. And what was going on on this campus, mm -hmm. you know, and people said, you know, well, did, did y'all agree on everything, Nance? And I said, no, actually, we didn't. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll share with you, if, as I sit in this room with the glass block, <laughs> we, of course, we added this part later, but we had the glass, the translucent, so you couldn't see through it over where the fitness areas yes. are, because we had been to facilities that had glass and you know, people would stand outside and gawk there. Yep, yep. <laughs> and so they said they were real self-conscious about it. So yeah. we said, well, we're going to go with a translucent Which block. I like. Yeah, it's very Me cool. too. So we're taking Dr. Aiken through the facility. And he said, Nancy, did I ever tell you? He said, I really don't like glass block. And I said, no, sir. <laughs> he said, but it looks okay. Okay. Said, <laughs> okay, thank you. Uh, that was one of the, the big differences. The other was... I really wanted to put customer service over there where you come in. Yeah. And he said, you know, Nancy, why would you want to put customer service? He said, this is a, a rec center on a campus. And I said, well, Dr. Aiken, we, we think of the students as our customers. And I said, and we really want to provide quality service while they're here. Mm -hmm. He said, I just don't, I mean, it looks like a hotel to me. <laughs> I just don't think we can do that. So we went back and forth and back Student and forth. Service. And finally, <laughs> he said, all right, Nance, go ahead. I was like, yes. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, there were a number of times if the Board of Visitors or Board of Governors or whoever would be coming over to see the facility, many times I would be leading the tour and he'd mm -hmm. say, and this is our customer service area because we treat our students as customers and we provide the best quality service. And I'm going, yes. He would say that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he would say that. Yeah. When we come in. finally got on so, board. Um, yeah. You know, and then I, I tried, I said, you know, we didn't want anything going on in the Student Recreation Center that was not recreation-oriented because I knew people were wanting to use it for dances and all kinds of other things because it's of a the big size, space, big space uh -huh. that we did not have on campus. Mm -hmm. So about, I think it was our second year, Dr. Aiken called, or somebody from his office called, and they wanted to do a black tie event. Okay. In the Student Recreation Center, and they said, you know, Chancellor really would like to have that in there. And I said, oh, 
I said, well, um, <laughs> you know, I really would hate to do that because it isn't recreation related. And then every sorority and fraternity gonna do is, is going to want to be in here. Mm-hmm. I said, my preference would be no, but he is the chancellor. And they said, okay, well, I'm going to share that with him and we'll get back to you. Mm-hmm. Sure enough, they called back and they said, we've scheduled it at the Greenville Country Club because he, he respects your desire not to have dances in there. Now, how often does that happen? Not very often, not I'd very say. Often. I thought you were about to say, we went they ahead and scheduled over. it here. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. And I, and that, and I share that just because that's just another testament of who he was mm-hmm. as a person and as a leader who listened to his people, so to speak. Yeah. You know, he believed in shared government governance. He believed in faculty and staff leadership. Mm-hmm. He, he didn't just, just walk all over anybody. He actually took into consideration yeah. all the factors, who it was going to affect, what yeah. the consequences of that were going to be. That's really nice to. So know. to me, you know, and 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 he actually retired in two thousand one, mm-hmm. and another testament to the type of person that he was. He came back two years later. Mm-hmm. And he initially, they'd started a doctorate in higher education. So he taught. They needed people like him. How many chancellors come back and, and teach in a curriculum? So he taught in the higher education curriculum. Mm-hmm. Then they asked him if he would be the interim chair of the mathematics department because they had that position was vacant. So he accepted that for a couple of years. And then he became dean of the honors co- the new honors college for I think three more years. So he retired for the third time in 2013. Mm-hmm. So he actually came back for a number of years, not in that role. There were other chancellors. Mm-hmm. You know, so there again, I think it speaks to the ego that he didn't have. You know, I'm going to help this university in any way that I possibly can because he did it for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, in those three home. roles, I mean, he had chancellors on top of him. Yeah. But he had been at that top mm-hmm. level. So I just I just can't say enough about him as a professional and my experience working with him for those 10 years. And still, if I see him today, he'll come up and give me a hug. You know, mm-hmm. hey, Nance, how you doing? And Do they still live locally? Yes. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I sent him uh, an email and called him after you know, I knew about the dedication and, and he was so humble and, you know, what was his reaction? Yeah. He said he was very honored. He and Joe were very honored. It meant so much to them and they were so upset. They didn't come, you know, to the dedication because of COVID. He said, we're so sorry that we couldn't be there, but this is probably the biggest honor in my life. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm glad it finally happened. <laughs> Me too. Me too. In my opinion, it was long overdue, mm-hmm. but so well-deserved. And mm-hmm. it's better late than never, you know? Absolutely. And I want people to know when they say, why is Aiken on this building? Mm-hmm. Because he was so responsible for the success of this, the construction and for just sharing the vision because mm-hmm. he had it. Mm-hmm. I think had, you know, it, it made my job so much easier because he had seen what it had done at Bowling Green and he knew what it could do on this campus, which it did. Obviously, it changed mm-hmm. the concept of recreation at East Carolina University. Was this something you, you thought about before Dr. Aiken 
came to East Carolina yeah. University. It was kind of my mission when I first came here because of Christenberry Gymnasium and the fact that we didn't have. I'd been at two other universities that had facilities, oh, mm-hmm. you know, and we were running our intramural program. They said, you know, Nancy, you can't get Menjis until 9 or 9.30 p.m. I said, I'll take what? it. What? I said, really? At and night? I said, at night. Okay. So we'd play from 9 until 11.30. You know, I I said, I'll take whatever. I'm sure they thought I'd say, okay, then we just won't have intramurals. And I said, no, no, we're going to be in Menjis. We're going to play in whatever facilities. I started teaching, uh, it was called aerobic classes, fitness classes in the basement of Garrett because we had no place to do the classes. And I said, well, what about the basement of some of the road? They said, well, you want had my little boom box back in the day, you know. That's all you need. Taught fitness classes (laughs) in the basement of residence halls. I mean, we tried to utilize everything anywhere we could to mm-hmm. say there's a need for these kinds of things in a facility of this nature on our campus. Mm-hmm. Students are interested. They're coming. The first time I went over to Garrett, I walked down there in the basement. And I don't know if you've been down there, but they've got these huge columns, mm-hmm. you know. And so I was on this little side with my boom box, and I looked and I said, well, what are y'all down here for? I mean, it was packed. You, you couldn't sure. even stick your arm. They said, Oh, we're here for the fitness class. And I said, okay. All of you? (laughs) Yeah. And I said, okay, then. Well, we can't spread out much, but, you know, so then we started having to limit the numbers. But it was good from the standpoint of students saying, we want this. We'll come. We'll support it. Mm -hmm. So it helped us from a number standpoint. Back in the day when we didn't have computers, we had index cards for every participant. We'd go through and count and check off what sports, then we'd go through, we have this many women, we have this many men, we have Mm -hmm. this many co-rec people that are participating, this many in fitness classes. So we had a lot of data Mm -hmm. by the time Dr. Aiken came, Came. and we'd been trying to say we really need this, but 14, 15, 16, it ended up being 18 million. Just was a hard sell. What were students doing before... Well, this was here. It's hard to imagine, isn't it? Yeah. Like I said, we had, you know, as much as we could have. We had some intramurals that went on starting at 4.30, you know, if they could right. play that early. But mostly outside, it was 6.30 inside. to 9.30. We had some fields over on okay. the other side, which is now a parking lot over by oh. the stadium. <laughs> yes. That was the other thing. We continued to lose outdoor facilities for parking or expansion of Menjis. Mm-hmm. And then we had got the blunt fields, you know, and that's why then after that, of course, I fought for getting more fields, particularly for the club sport program. And we ended yes. up with the NRC out there. But I think a lot of students just didn't recreate because there was yeah. no place to go. <laughs> yeah, And no. that, you know, and then so then I really worked on the wellness concept. And that mm-hmm. was another thing that Dr. Aiken and I, he did not like the word when I wanted to add wellness to our name. Mm-hmm because we were intramural recreational services at the time. And I said, I want to change it, you know, to campus recreation and wellness. And he said, you know, Nancy, that's a real nebulous term. He said, it, it doesn't mean anything. What year was this? <laughs> I said, Dr. Aiken, let me share with you what I think it means to me. Right. And, uh, and of course, this was back in the 80s when the term wellness was not well used. No, it, yeah. You know, it was kind of before its time. But mm-hmm. but there again, after some discussion, he said, you know, Nancy, if you feel that strongly about it, I'll support you. Yeah. I said, thank you so much. 
But, you know, so we had, it wasn't like everything was like, yeah, let's go. You know, you can do that. Mm -hmm. But we would, and he won some battles too. You know, went went Uh to the board of trustees. I don't know if you've noticed all the arches that are around this building. That was kind of the era of the arches for whatever reason with the board of trustees. So we had to go (laughs) back to the architects and redo a we lot want arches. of ours. Yeah, mm-hmm. everything has to be. So they're all around the outside of the rec center. Uh-huh. We added arches and we said, okay, we can do that. You know, those kinds of things, I was like, sure. Mm-hmm. They got into the selection of the color of the brick. And I thought, don't y'all have something better to do? But, <laughs> you know, yeah. they wanted to be involved. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, sure. Yeah, tell us what color. I don't care what color the brick is on the outside. Just give me a building. <laughs> yeah, give me a building. And I want what's on the inside. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there were a lot of compromises like that but it but you could talk about it instead of there are so many administrators now I would have never had that opportunity really didn't have it before and never had it since Mm -hmm. of just being able to call over to the chancellor's office and saying hey you know Dr. Aiken can I come over and talk to you about something or Mm -hmm. can you talk to the student organization Wednesday night at nine o'clock I mean I really need you to talk to them and help them see the vision that was on the campus of Bowling Green. Sure, Nance, I can do that. When I think about the chancellor, I think that he's kind of unreachable. Whoever it is. At this point, I'm on my third chancellor (laughs) in my three years at East Carolina University. So I I mean, I was an SGA for a little bit, so I did have that like connection. Sure. Yeah. But had that not been the case, I knew that. Yeah, and like oh I God, said, okay. I did not have it before yeah. and certainly didn't have it after. And I yes. actually have reported to every vice chancellor of student affairs mm-hmm. in the history of East Carolina University. And some Dr. Al Matthews was the um, vice chancellor for student affairs at the time we had the grand opening. Mm-hmm. And, and he was not opposed, but he was not the advocate that Dr. Aiken was. Yeah. And Dr. Aiken could work with him mm-hmm. to help to say, you know, well, this is what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. So there again, and, and, you know, it's just like Dr. Hardy, Dr. Hardy is real, I think, supportive of who we are and what we do. So. But if the mm-hmm. chancellor isn't, you know, it she reports to the else. chancellor. So yes. it's all kind of a, like you said, it's, it's a hierarchy, hierarchy mm-hmm. at, on campus and, and then, you know, of course, I wasn't familiar with all the things with the Board of Trustees and then the General Assembly. I mean, when they were saying, well, the North Carolina Assembly only meets every two years and you have to get it on their agenda oh. to approve the facility. And I was mm-hmm. like, who only meets every two years? <laughs> you know, what so you there was another, <laughs> they, like they had just met, you know, once the Board of Trustees approved it. So they yes. said, well, it'll probably be another two years before the General Assembly approves this mm-hmm. as a major project for East Carolina mm-hmm. University and I was like really yeah <laughs> so uh, you know it was just we never intended for it to be 10 years but it makes sense yeah I never realized how political and just how complicated higher education can be because from a student standpoint it's, you don't see that no you don't I really thought it was mm-hmm. just this is what's best for the students this is what we're, we're going to do because it's a no-brainer yeah from a very simplistic very just down here kind of point of view, yeah. right? But then, of course, it does get more complicated. And that's it, something I never realized does. until I actually started working and getting involved and learning a little more about the ropes, you know. But And it's uh, to have a, a real student 
advocate in those positions for the real reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, it it is unusual. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, you know, he, like I said, when he came back, I mean, th- in three different roles after that, to mm-hmm. serve the university, to serve the students, and the Honors College, I mean, those those kids loved him because I he'd bet. go on trips with them. He was right there with them. Yeah. You know, and Joe was so supportive. His wife was so supportive of everything he wanted to do, and just the fact that they walked the campus almost every night. You'd see them, yeah. they'd be walking along, holding hands, like I said, and they'd stick their head in to the rec center, and people would go, who hey. is that? You know, <laughs> after that, what I had to do so the customer service people would know who the chancellor was, you know, we had to bring up, we'd say, well, bring up his picture if you want to see who, so you'll know when they come in. Mm-hmm. Because it was funny, they would call from, the, they'd say, you know, Nance, I think Dr. So-and-so, the chancellor, is going to bring some people over to the rec center. And I'd go, okay, well, we just wanted you to get ready. I'd say, we're always ready. Yeah. We don't act any different yeah. just because the <laughs> chancellor's coming. Yeah. But I did want the, the students in customer services to know who he was. You know, who he was. Yeah. Well, the students knew who Dr. Aiken was. Mm-hmm. But after that, we, we had a picture over there at customer service. You mm-hmm. know, this is Dr. So-and-so. When he comes in, you know, I mean, he is the chancellor, so... Uh, you Behave. Know, treat him, yeah, <laughs> yeah, treat him as well as you can. Sure. But you know, we didn't have to worry about that when yeah. he was here because he made himself known. Mm-hmm. I mean, he and like I said, he went around to IFC, Panhellenic, and NPHC, mm-hmm. and talked to those groups, or went with Scott to do that. Mm-hmm. And Scott was—he was just an outstanding young man. And his brother was Alan Scott Thomas. Thomas. Uh-huh. You know, Alan Thomas. I don't name? know. He was the SGA president two or three years after Scott, mm-hmm. and uh, he ended up, he had a, a two, four-year term here in Pitt County as the mayor, Alan oh, wow. Thomas did, okay. but they were totally different people, but uh-huh. Alan was very supportive of mm-hmm. our project, traveled with us when we flew around the country to look at outstanding facilities that we, and we'd take student leaders with us, Yes. so there again, to sell it to them, so they had a vision, they had an image, and Alan was really helpful with that, too. Awesome. So we've had some excellent student leaders along the way. Like I said, if Scott Thomas hadn't been willing to do that and write up a resolution and get all the student organizations to sign it, I mean, mm-hmm. that was a major undertaking. Yeah. You know, So along the way, student leadership and student buy-in is what made this a reality, too. But we had the vision of the chancellor as well as that. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it was just a great combination. Was there ever any student hesitation for this project? Yes. We really? Had, <laughs> we had a lot of opposition That's to the project because many of them thought, you know, who needs a rec center? Uh-huh. People who are not involved in Was this in the recreation. 80s? This Before? was in the 80s and the 90s. Okay. This was also in the 90s. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't need that on our campus. Put the money into the library. Put mm-hmm. it into athletics. I mean, this is ridiculous. They're taking our parking lot. Who cares whether we have, you know, a basketball court? Who, You know, there was a lot of negativity. Mm-hmm. And they were already used to being on campus without this facility. Exactly. They didn't see a use And they for didn't it. want their fees to increase. Mm-hmm. And they didn't want it to go to a, a rec center. Mm-hmm. So a lot of editorials in the East Carolinian. And, um, you know, I have that big volume with all those in there. And as I read <laughs> back through them, I go, gosh, we had one hurdle after another, yeah. but you just had to think, 
you know, we just have to keep selling. That's what I'd tell my staff. Just, okay, let's find a way to counter that. Let's help them see. Let's show them numbers of people who really do want it. Mm-hmm. And the value of wellness. Yeah. You know, yes. with these kinds of facilities, we can provide this level of wellness for our students. Mm-hmm. And they need it. Mm-hmm. And we were looking, you know, we had issues with alcohol, as we always do. Mm-hmm. And so I was saying, but what alternatives do we have? That's why we wanted to stay open till 11, <laughs> 12, uh-huh. whatever the, our, our hours were to counter downtown. Mm-hmm. You know, but at the time, we didn't have any place else for them to go. Mm-hmm. So even if they w- didn't want to get involved with drinking mm-hmm. downtown, it was the only place to go and the only thing to do. And so we played yeah. on that heavily. You know, we tried to hit it from every angle to say, we need this facility. Yeah. It is a facility of wellness, well-being for our students. Mm-hmm. It will help. And we had data to indicate at the time that within the top three reasons why students selected a university to go to, was quality of recreation facilities. That's what my supervisor, that's what Jenny said. She was like, I knew I was going to come to East Carolina University because of the rec center. This is why I came here. It was interesting because I was in a meeting. I can't remember what it was about, big meeting over in 242 in Mendenhall. and, Mm -hmm. uh, And they were talking about the results of the most recent survey for student recruitment. And number it was either two or three on the list Mm -hmm. was the reason they came to East Carolina was because of quality of recreation facilities and the reputation of recreation department. Mm -hmm. And when they said that, you know, I went, and I stood up (laughs) and the guy that was in there, he said, Nancy, those were not the results that we wanted. We were hoping they were going to come here for academic reasons. And I said, (laughs) You know, um, I understand that, but why would you not be as excited as I am that we have quality recreation facilities mm-hmm. and these are reasons why they're coming to East Carolina? Still it really reason. hurt my feelings, mm-hmm. but there again, it's another example of the sell. Mm-hmm. It was a hard sell. There were a lot of people in, in academic positions of authority that still weren't sold. Yeah. Now, there are a number, we have a lot of faculty staff members you know, who said, oh, my God, I've been waiting for this forever. It's so convenient. These facilities are awesome. Yeah. But we still had people saying, that's ridiculous. You know, I used to be able to park right here. Now I'm way over here. You'll always I, have those people. I know, have I know but I'll never cents. forget that meeting. And people came up to me and they said, aren't you just livid? I said, uh, yeah. I said, I'm kind of hurt, but I'm excited. Oh, yeah. I'm excited that that was a part of that survey. And that came out as one of the major reasons why students are coming to East Carolina University. It just validates who we are and what we're doing. Mm-hmm. So I said, I'll take it. Yeah. Now, I don't care that some of the academicians are upset about it. That comes with any change, it no does. matter what you it do. It does. Mm-hmm. So you just have to get in that selling mode and not get your little feelers hurt, as I would tell the staff, and just say, we'll counter it with some data. Yeah. And, and that's really kind of how we survived and the support of Dr. Aiken. It's crazy to think. I I really take in this facility for granted and everything that it has to offer. I just think it's a matter of if you go to a university, it's going to have some sort of student recreation center. Right. Uh huh. And just come to it, work out, walk the track, do whatever you have to do, go home, and know that it's still going to be there the next day. And, you know, with, with COVID happening, the reactions from students were quite the opposite. It was, you know, constant emails, phone calls. Are you open? 
how can I get in the center? When are you guys going to open? Why are you guys still closed? There's other gyms that are still open. What's going on? And it's been a constant. It changes from week to week or from month to month. And students need this facility. I do. I think. I've needed this facility. I just wanted to come in the office <laughs> to add well, some sort of structure. For stress relief, for camaraderie, mm -hmm. for doing things with your friends. For, yeah. You know, there are so many positive reasons. And that's, you know, we had all of that data. And you, like you said, you can't imagine a campus without it. And no. I've been at Kansas State and at Sam Houston State in mm -hmm. Huntsville, Texas. Both, and I was four years at both of those, and we had new facilities. Mm -hmm. You know, and you just, you, it's not that you take it for granted, but you assume there's going to be one. Mm -hmm. You know, and I came here and I said, well, where's the rec center? And they said, oh, Christenberry Gym, this is it. And I was like, oh, really? <laughs> it was like, God, these students. This but is see, a rec the center? the students <laughs> didn't know what they didn't have. Correct. Now, like you said, mm -hmm. now we've taken away what they had. And now they're saying, but when are we, we going to need something to do? When is it coming back? Right. Yeah. Something healthy to do. Yeah. You know, and the mental, the mental part of it, you know, it's not mm -hmm. all physical. It's just, it's a great mental health release it to is. come over and get mm -hmm. in a good workout or just do something with your friends, get two or three people to come over and take a class or do some personal training or go on an adventure trip, do mm -hmm. something that you've never done. You know, our largest Number of participants used to come from international students for the adventure program. Really, and I found that interesting. But it was an experience. Yeah. You know, most of those students are outstanding, mm -hmm. and they're up for new experiences. They go, "Yeah, yeah, man, I'll do a whitewater trip, or yeah, I'll do a camping trip and go to wherever." And the, and you know, we started looking at the data because we were going, "Well, who's going on these trips? How do we market these?" Mm -hmm. And it was amazing. I don't know if that's still the case of international students. I have to look into that. I'm not sure who were really excited about the adventure though. pro. Yeah, it was uh -huh. new opportunities for them. So mm -hmm. when you look at what you can provide, and the other thing we would tout is we employed three to four hundred students mm -hmm. so i would always say when we go for our fee increases which we had to present every year to sga if we were asking for a fee increase mm -hmm. i you know i would say well six hundred and fifty thousand dollars or whatever the figure would be goes directly back to students on this campus because they run our programs and services without them right. we wouldn't have a campus recreation and wellness program. Mm -hmm. They are the heart of who we are and what we do. Mm -hmm. And that was a good, it was honest, but it was a good sell. And they go, oh, because how many people can say they give that much money back to the students of the fee that we were collecting? Not that you know, and it was always in the hundreds of thousands because we always had three to 400 students employed. Mm -hmm. And they really did run all, just like now, mm -hmm. y'all run all of our programs. You know, I mean, we have some people in charge but the people that are here day in and day out, people come to aerobic classes because of the leader, mm -hmm. because of who's teaching. They'll come back to an adventure trip because the leader was awesome. And I want to go on another trip with them. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's word of mouth. And it's usually and students. It's people. That and that's are what leading. I used to tell the yeah. people at customer service. I said, you know, I challenge you to learn five names a day. Mm -hmm. That's not asking, because we're all creatures of habit. I know I used to work out at noon. Mm -hmm. Some people come at 5.30 in the morning. <laughs> some people come 5.30 at night. Uh -huh. But it's usually the same ones at the same time. Yes. So instead of just saying, hey, it's good to see you, 
you Learn know their names yes yeah. hey. make that connection yeah mm-hmm. and it's so great to say oh man where have you been i haven't seen you for a month mm-hmm. you know and they go oh my god somebody realized i wasn't here somebody <laughs> missed me you yeah. know i mean it's that yeah. personal touch of making a difference mm-hmm. in someone's life and i just think with our programs and services from the big picture of wellness mm-hmm. And it was a hard sell for my staff, believe it or not, adding wellness. They were, Nancy, we're recreation. And I said, my background, my master's is in exercise physiology. But for some reason, I've always gone toward the wellness side of that and the recreation Mm -hmm. and the value of being involved physically, mentally, emotionally, the big picture of wellness. As a whole But it was not Uh an easy sell for our staff. I said, you're lucky I didn't just change it to campus wellness. (laughs) I left recreation in there before the wellness so people would know who we are. Of course. But I'm adding wellness. Yes. But that was not an easy sell. No. And now people are all about wellness. Yeah. But it was just like maybe 10 years before it's time. Uh Uh-huh. So there have been a lot of, I think, positive changes. I, I know we've outgrown this facility now. You know, then we started after 10 years, after yeah. 10 more years, I started saying, we need hey, another we one. And they were going, you know, Nancy, how greedy can you be? <laughs> you just got a new facility. Yes. I said, well, that was, we opened 10 years ago. You know, you talk- we were building, I mean, working on it 10 years before. Uh-huh. So that was 20 years ago. Yes. And we're going, we're moving forward. Are you talking about the health science is building well just trying to get a new facility yes okay uh, yeah and uh-huh. you know of course the big wigs as i call them they come over at 10 o'clock in the morning and of course you know academics i assume they still teach classes over here that'd about be about the only thing going on except for you know they'd say well nancy i don't know why you need a new facility Is there anybody over here <laughs> and i'd say i challenge you to come back at 5 30 and you'll see all the people in the weight room waiting for a machine did they come back a few. Okay. Well, a good. Few. Good, good, good. But we had the numbers, and we could yes, say, look, yeah. and, and talk to these guys out here on the basketball court that are waiting for an hour and a half. Just to get a game Because they want to run full court instead of us making it a half-court experience out mm-hmm. here. Yeah, just to get on the court. They'd sit there for an hour and a half mm-hmm. and go, really? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, but it was just day after day selling. Mm-hmm. And we still, I mean, that's why, you know, we haven't been able to expand this facility. It's been on the list for a number of years. I'm glad you brought that up because even during my time at Campus Recreation Wellness, which will come up on two years here in May, but they're, they are talking about a master plan in the works to add on to this facility or to yep. just make it to fit the needs of our students now. And we were talking about everything. I say we because they did take, you know, students into consideration. Right. What do we need? Um, what needs to happen? What would you like to see? Where are we lacking? Where are we doing really well? And then, of course, those meetings were happening and taking place. Those conversations were taking place. COVID happened. So now that's another gear added on to. Um, and, of course, planning the master plan and hoping everything gets put together, but I think it, it'll be another 10 years, as you said, seven, 10 years easy of before it actually opens and, and stuff like that. Yeah, we actually had designed, uh, we were working with academics because they had um, about $8 million and they have state money. You know, ours is always student fee money. Academics has some state, state money. money. Mm-hmm. And they were going to renovate Belk, not the residence hall, but the building mm-hmm. up by our blunt fields. Yes. And uh, I said, well, let's partner 
because, you know, they teach during the day. We basically want it at night. Mm -hmm. So let's take your eight million and our whatever we had, two or three million, you know, uh -huh. that we could take out of our fund balance and go out the back. The only way we'd go, I'd, I've tried to close Cotan's a number of times and they're going, you know, Nance, you never going to be able to do that, <laughs> which is why this was not my first choice for a location. But we have the design and it, and we had the whole thing done with the architects going out the back, going up three stories, mm -hmm. putting in some academic labs that they wanted, um, additional gymnasium, two more uh, full court gymnasiums, mm -hmm. uh, some more fitness uh, aerobic studios, which we definitely mm -hmm. need. And I really thought that, and of course, closing the street back there because it goes nowhere anyway, mm -hmm. it, you know, and... Um, that's, right. that's about the only yeah. way we could go is backing up right and move the climbing wall to some place up in here because mm -hmm. it's it's in the way so to speak anyway with the courts back there for right. volleyball and basketball and we still wanted to have a climbing facility mm -hmm. um, so that was design and I really thought it was going somewhere and then they decided to rent they being academics decided to renovate belk mm -hmm. and put the eight million into that mm -hmm. And there went our chance to have some partnership and money. With academics. Yeah, mm -hmm. because without their $8 million, our three wasn't going to go very far, yeah. you know. So we're literally back to the drawing board. But, I mean, we our numbers validate expanded space. And I, mm -hmm. I it'd be interesting to know if when and if the time comes to expand the Student Recreation Center, whether the student support will be there from a financial standpoint, mm -hmm. because it will be, well, just like what's 426 or whatever the student fee is for uh, sure. <laughs> a student center on both camp. And, you know, at least we got in on that on mm -hmm. the health sciences campus, because I tried unsuccessfully for years to put something on the health sciences campus because they would say, you know, Nancy, we need some programming there. We've got more and more students you know, all the, the medical students are over there, nursing students, um, occupational therapy, you know, everybody was over there. Mm -hmm. And we don't have anything. So we started teaching some aerobic classes, fit, group fitness classes in whatever area they let us in, you mm -hmm. know, in whichever part of the building over there, the bottom of the library. And, and that helped. And they were well attended by students, faculty, and staff. But then, you know, when I'd say, well, so can we put, some you know, thing. I said, I would call it a butler building, you know, those aluminum kind of buildings that you see all over everywhere. I said, could we do that from a temporary standpoint just to have a place to operate large enough for one gymnasium, you know, a basketball court, and then we'll put a... They said no. No. Yeah. They said, no, that's ugly. Uh, you know, no, the State Department of Construction would never approve that. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, that has been a challenge. So at least we, we have something over there. We have a presence, mm -hmm. which is positive. Um, and, and, you know, all we can do is keep, keep statistics, but times like this, and, and hopefully, you know, of course, we'll look at statistics, and then these, obviously, for this year will look terrible. But <laughs> yes. then you put in, you know, these were COVID years. It's not like people said, yeah, I don't want to go to the rec center anymore. Yeah. <laughs> You know, so that we have, reason. we can continue to justify the need and the value mm -hmm. of this facility for the wellness, so to speak, of our students, faculty, and staff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, Nance, thank you so much for pushing as much as you have for all of our facilities and for the cause and for our students from a place that 
I can very much tell that this was something that meant a lot and to this day means so much to you. So to think that this all of this could have possibly not even been here. I mean, I'm sure by now. <laughs> something. Yeah, like you said, maybe 20 years later it would have been. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But to be what it is now and to have people here that genuinely care about students. And, and I do feel that way about everyone that works with campus recreation and wellness. I don't think there's a single person that I would go up to and think that, oh, this person just kind of doesn't care about me or my well-being or my growth as a student leader, student, you know, my personal and professional growth, growth. as a, yeah. yeah. So it's really great to see that that's still here and, and where it came from and how this all started and where it's going because I can't wait to come back in 10 years and see. And see the improvements uh -huh. or where it has gone. Yeah. Does it ever blow your mind? Yeah. See how far we've come. Yeah. Yeah. Well, certainly my honor to be able to do it. So it's great visiting with you today and kind of sharing the history of the Student Recreation Center. And a lot of things what an awesome legacy don't know. of Dr. Richard Aiken. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything you would like to add, Nancy, that we might have missed? I don't think so. I it's don't think so. I just, I, I hope that his name and the association with this center uh, gets the respect that, that it should, you know, over the years of who he is and what he did I think it will this dream I, on my part uh, become a reality. Absolutely. And I think it will because because it is so new. And, you know, I know um, the letters will be put outside of our Student Recreation Center here in the near future. Um, people are going to start asking questions. Yeah, Why? Who is he? Why? Uh-huh. Yeah. Because I, I didn't so. know. I, I didn't know until, until I heard the news that it was being renamed the Aiken Student Recreation Center for him and his wife, Joanne. I think it's very much deserved. It's I very do too. cool. I, I do too. Based on everything that you've told me and from what I've heard um, from faculty here, I don't think there there's a better person than to. And to me, to you in. know, so often we wait until that person is no longer alive, mm -hmm. and then we do it in their honor. And I was so excited that they're both still living and get, get to yes, see can really this unraveling. It and they'll see their name up there on that building and. And it, yeah, he told me it just really warmed their heart. Mm -hmm. And I hope once all of this is over that they can come and stick me their too. head in through the door once me again. Too. And I bet they will. Yeah. I bet they will because they're those kind of people. Mm -hmm. They'll walk in holding hands and say, hey, oh, I'm so Dick sweet. and Joe Aiken. Mm -hmm. You know, it won't be I was chancellor. It'll be I'm Dick and Joe Aiken. Now that you mention it, I wonder if I've ever seen them around here. I, I don't mean, know maybe. if you have in the last two years. <laughs> maybe not. Because, then. yeah, he probably hasn't been coming to campus mm -hmm. in of these years. But when he was on campus every day, he would walk. And he knew everybody. That. Yeah. He knew everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, he'd just, hey. Or if he didn't, he'd go up and I'm, I'm, I'm Chancellor Aiken. Hello. You know, it's just very <laughs> nice to meet you. Uh-huh. Nancy, what are you doing now? I am loving retirement. Oh, I good for you. I was <laughs> 48 years in higher education That's with the three universities. Unreal. And I really thought, and a workaholic, obviously. Yes. And I really thought I, I might go that. crazy when I retired. But um, I, I have not. I was, I'm currently 60, uh, I wish, 73 and a half. I was going to say, you don't look a day over 60. <laughs> I was 68 and a half when I retired. Okay. So, you know, I started thinking, mm, I don't have as many years in front of me to play and have a good time <laughs> as I have behind me. Maybe I need to. I'm a kayaker, a hiker, a biker, a stand-up paddleboarder. I've got two little dogs that I adore. 
So between all of that, and I've actually gotten into doing some landscaping because I've always enjoyed working in, I live out on about three acres in the country. So I'm putting down sod in people's yards. I have a truck. People call, you know, Nancy, do you still have that truck? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, what do you want me to do? Yes. Um, I've put down some patios now, bricks, some, laid down some yeah. brick, paddy pavers. So I'm really getting into a lot of those kinds of things that I just love doing, staying busy, doing what I want to do, staying active, hopefully staying healthy. I would say so. Uh, <laughs> and loving life. That's awesome. That's all we can do, especially taking advantage of all the little moments of joy that we can, as much as we can of it, especially I make, during times I, uh, like these. I'm on the Mutt Strutters, which goes out and walks dogs at the animal shelter, and I'm oh. very involved with yeah. a lot of humane um, mm -hmm. types of organizations because that's near and dear to my heart. Both of my little guys were adopted from the shelter. and That's sweet. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, giving back, I'm very involved in North Carolina Senior Games and uh, I've been a participant. At the time, you had to be 55. Now they've dropped it down to 50, but okay. I still play softball on the Senior Games softball team and real supportive of that organization for the same reason I'm, you know, I think it's critical that seniors that use it or lose it. That you yeah. stay involved as you <laughs> age. And, you know, people come up to me and they go, Nancy, you're really lucky. And I used to say, yeah. You know, now I kind of say, well, it, it's not totally luck. Yeah. Uh, it's personal choice. You know, I would say I've so. always been active. Mm -hmm. It's what I believe in. And I believe in walking your talk. Yeah. You know, if it's what's good for the goose is good for the gander is what my mother used to <laughs> always say. You know, yeah. so... For me to just say this is something you should do, I mean, I don't do it. I don't make the time for it, but it's really good for you. But if they see you doing it or say, uh -huh. you know, yeah, why don't you try it? You know, I mean, you could. And I've, you know, I've taught aerobic classes. Mm -hmm. I've been a personal trainer. I've been an official. I've officiated just about everything there is in the world. I've taught swimming. I've taught, you know, so I've grown up doing all the things that are involved in making the big picture of wellness be successful. And like I said, my background is exercise physiology. So I love that part of who we are and trying to figure out the body and how it works. Yeah. And it just cool. feeds into the big picture. So my mission in life, even in retirement, is to sell that. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, I'm around older people who are just now starting to exercise or they go, you know, really? can you help me get started? never been a part of their life wow. and we see that every day in senior games and some of them are phenomenal athletes and they may have done something in high school but haven't done anything for stopped. 40 or 50 years wow and now they're going god i feel better than ever because i you know i've started walking because they'll go i don't know how to do that and i'd say hey just do it well, yeah walk from here to there and so they go over and i say there you go they're going, well, no, I mean, I can't do that race walk. And I said, I didn't say you had to race walk because I used to do race walking clinics too. Okay. And I competed in race walk. I said, you just have to walk, put one foot in front of the other, move from here to there. If you can't get down the road to your mailbox, go halfway, turn around, come back, work toward getting all the way down there. Then maybe you're going around the block. It's called movement. You know, progress. so yeah. I feel like that's my personal mission in life now when I meet somebody that mm -hmm. isn't active. Oh, I wish I could do. And I'd say, you can. Well, why don't you? Well, mm -hmm. I'm overweight. I'm. Well, that might help with that, too. You know, mm -hmm. let's talk about that for a minute. You know, so uh, to me that if I can make a difference in one person's life every day, which is uh, probably not what I do, but close <laughs> to it. 
you know, depending upon who I come in contact with. Say, I'm sure you don't That's even know That's kind of my mission affect. in retirement. Uh-huh. Dogs and people. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> well, thank you, Nance. It You're sounds, welcome. It's, you've, you've it's certainly been a pleasure. Absolutely. You've affected me in a very positive way now, too. I, I certainly have a greater appreciation for campus recreation and wellness <laughs> and everything that um, it's able to contribute to all of its students. And I hope that we can keep our do- doors open for as long Me as we too. possibly can. Me too. With all things considered. So thank you to you and all of your contributions. And thank you to Dr. Aiken as well and his wife, Joanne. You know, that this place started because of people who care about the well being of the students and, and our future. So thank you very sincerely. Very welcome. I really do appreciate it. So if you have nothing else to add, I think we can start wrapping up here. Okay. Well, thank you, Nance. And to all of you listening, I hope you've all gathered something about campus recreation and wellness in the student, the Aiken Student Recreation Center. Thank you guys for listening, and we will see you next week. Nancy, thank you again.